Morning. This month uh, in April, uh, we are collecting a special offering for North American missions. And that is what the money goes to. From Canada to North America, all over the place, uh, churches are being planted, missionaries are being sent to communities, and the North American Mission Board helps fund them, right? And they fund them through our April offering for North American missions. And so if you are interested in participating in that, uh, we are a church on mission constantly, right? Because we're the body of Christ, so we're on mission. And uh, we can't just be concerned about our church plant. We have to be concerned about the kingdom of God, big deal. So if you want to contribute to what God is doing in the kingdom across North America, you can either A, on your check, put NAM, M-A-M-B, North American Mission Board in the memo line. Or when you go online and click the Give button online, at the bottom, you can designate for North American missions, right? And so at the end of April, we will send what we've gotten through the cooperative program, and they will fund North American missions. So um, being on mission is not something new to us, right? We, we talk about that. We, our mission is in Durham. Um, has anybody ever seen the movie The Finest Hour? Sweet, good, all right. I saw the previews for it, so I'm going to talk about it as if I've seen it from the previews. <laughs> is that fair? I tried to find it yesterday online and watch it, and I couldn't find it. It hadn't been released yet, but... Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's about a, a team of people from the Coast Guard up north. There's a nor'easter comes in, and a tanker gets split in half by the waves. And one half sinks, and the other half stays afloat. And, uh, and they, they make a distress call, and uh, it's a Disney movie, so it's obviously going to be pretty amazing. But um, this team of four guys from the, uh, from the Coast Guard are sent out on a mission to save the lives of the people in this boat, drifting among us in a, in a huge winter storm out in the ocean, uh, half of a tanker split in half, and they go out in this little dinghy boat. Like, I mean, it's a small little thing in comparison. Um, they're sent on a mission to save lives, right? And when they know when they leave, they're going into a storm. They know they're going into something very difficult, something that's scary and dark. And uh, one of the lines in the preview is interesting. It's like, I, I don't like you going out in the dark. You can't see what's under the water. And the guy says, more water, right? But I mean, but you don't know what's under there. It's dark. It's scary. Has anybody out, been out in the ocean, like way, way far out in the ocean at night, and you look down, and there's this kind of a sense of fear? Yeah? When we went on a cruise for Christmas, we walked out of there, and, the, and for like two days, there was nothing, and all of a sudden, there was like a Disney cruise liner three miles away, and you could see like Mickey Mouse's head, and you're like, great, if we die out here right now, at least Mickey will know that we sank in this location, right? Somebody saw us, but it's scary out there. Well, as disciples, God sends us on mission into scary storms. He sends us on mission out into difficult and scary and dark places. And today what we're going to see in our text in Matthew 14, and we continue this series called Abandon, is that uh, there's four things I want you to learn. All right, So if you're taking notes, you need to write down these four things. We're going to see in Matthew 14, 22 through 36, if you want to find your Bibles. Four things we're going to see in Matthew's text about being on mission with God on the difficult missions of God is this. If you're going to follow Jesus, he will lead you into some dark and scary places. If you're going to follow Jesus, he will call you out of your boat in the middle of a winter storm. He'll call you out of the boat. When you're going to follow Jesus, doubt and fear will try to get you back in the boat. And if you're going to follow Jesus, you must never forget who it is you're following. Right? Those are the four things we're going to learn today. So if you'll join me in Matthew 22 through 36. We're going to just read through 27 first. We're going to stop and then we're just going to go through that text uh, as we run. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you that you are going to lead us um, to see something deep about ourselves, 
something true about our culture, but most important, something true about you, that um, we must remember who we follow. That's, that's the key. If we're going to follow you, you've got to remember who's leading us. Speak to us through your word, Father. Challenge us. Search our hearts. Know our anxious ways. Make us more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew 14, verse 22. Immediately, he directed the disciples to get in a boat and go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee while he sent the crowds away. So just give you some reference. This is right after he had fed 5,000 people with five fish and two loaves, right? I mean, or two fish and five loaves? I can't remember. What is it? Two fish and five loaves. There you go. So I had to write it the first time. Yeah, and so and that's just 5,000 men, right? Because you recorded men. So then there's families. So thousands and thousands of people are crowded around him. And he tells his disciples, immediately after this, this, this moment of teaching and this moment of provision happens, he says, get in a boat, go over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, I'll meet you there. And he dismisses the crowds. Verse 23, after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain to, by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. It took a long time for these people to get away, right? Apparently, it took until evening for all these people to leave. Crowded around. Um, by this time, the boat was already a long distance from land, tossed and battered by the waves, for the wind was against them. Remember, they're in a sailboat, and the wind is against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, that's between 3 and 6 a.m., Jesus came to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him, Walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. First thing we're going to see in this text is that when we follow Jesus, he leads us into some dark and scary places. That's interesting to me that the disciples didn't just decide to get in a boat and cross the Sea of Galilee. They were directed by Jesus. And Jesus was their leader, he was their teacher, and they were disciples, they were followers and students of this man. And he told them, get in the boat and go to the other side of the sea. And when they got in the boat, you got to ask yourself this question, did Jesus know the storm was coming? Did Jesus know the wind would be against them and the waves would be tied and the boat would be tossed and battered? Did Jesus know it was going to happen? And you got to know that by the time he climbed to the top of the mountain and looked over the sea, he saw the, he saw the clouds and he saw the dark sky and he knew the wind was blowing. And he saw the boat out there and he knew what was happening. But Jesus led these guys into a storm. He sent them into a storm. And they followed him. For about nine hours, they battled the wind that was against them. It wasn't taking them to the other side of the Galilee. It was the Sea of Galilee. It was battling them face first, right? Face forward. Coming back at them, they'd row a little bit and then get blown back two miles. And then blow, row, 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 or they'd drop the sail and hopefully kind of zigzag through the water and then they'd get blown back. And the waves battered the boat. It was a rough night. It was probably a scary night. But these guys, these 12 guys in this boat, they didn't pull the sail and go back to the shore and say, we'll try it again, no big deal. They battled for nine hours. And on the fourth watch, Jesus showed up. So the fourth watch is between 3 and 6 a.m., Long time they had been out there. The wind was against them. As Jesus' disciples, he's going to send us into some dark and scary places in this world. They might be um, on the other side of the tracks. You know what I'm saying when I say that? To the other side of the tracks, you know, where mama and the police probably say you shouldn't be after dark, right? Like, he's going to send us into socioeconomic places that are different than ours. He's going to send us into relationships that are challenging where you, you try to minister and love to someone, but it's like 
ministering to a rock, right? They don't listen. They keep making poor life decisions. They keep draining your energy. He's going to send you into some dark and scary places. He might send you to a community where you don't speak the primary language, right? Like, say, Oak Creek Village, right? There's like 800 different languages besides English that people speak in Oak Creek Village. And so if you walk in there, you might not know what's going on. But Jesus could send you there. And he sends you there on what? A mission. And what's the mission? Save lives. Take the gospel. Save lives. He's sending you into storms to save lives. And the wind is going to beat us. And we're going to get battered. And the boat's going to, be, it's going to feel like you're going to sink. But God has sent you there with purpose. And then it's interesting enough, he shows up to help you. He doesn't just send you and then hang out on the beach and wait for the storm to go by and then walk around and be like, wow, I had a rough night. That, that, that was horrible. No, he comes out and he's with us in the midst of those storms. And there, there are difficult places in this world. There are scary places. Some of you are like getting in, going to the wrong side of the tracks or whatever that is, going into, into other areas or other relationships. That's not that scary to me. You might say that, right? Some of you are like, Jesus, send me anywhere but there. Right? You pray that prayer. I'll go anywhere. I'll minister to anybody, but don't send me there. That's too scary. It's too dark. It's too, too, too much danger. I've got a, a family that I've got to protect, and, and I've got I to feed. And if I go over there and I die in the gospel, what's going to happen to them? And, and you pray as many prayers as you can to stay out of those dark and scary places. But for some of us, we're like, let's go. Saddle up, throw a bag on, let's go minister. Maybe Jesus is calling you to Iran to share the gospel. Maybe that's the dark and scary place. Maybe he's calling you to Oak Creek Village. Maybe he's calling you into a difficult relationship. But there's another dark and scary place that every single person in this room will be called to. You know where that storm is? You know where those waves are the strongest and the, the headwinds will batter the snot out of you? It's your own soul. When, when you follow Jesus, Jesus calls you to not stay as you are, right? He sends his Holy Spirit in there to perfect you. It's called sanctification, right? Progressive sanctification. You start in depravity. He gives you a new identity. And then over time, he calls you to be holy. Be holy for I am holy. Participate. Be holy for I am holy. There you go. So there's going to be this change in our lives. And if we're going to go and our lives and our hearts are going to be changed to be more like Christ, it means that eventually we're going to have to look at our own souls and see how scary and dark and comfortable with sin we really are. And when we look into our own souls and we see how scary and dark and comfortable with sin we are, it's going to be a really hard fight to get away from the comfort of our sin. It's going to be a really uh, battering experience to face the spiritual battle of overcoming sin. Anybody ever had a hard time with overcoming sin? Yeah? It, you know, I, my whole life I've been battling with sin. I mean, I'm still battling with certain sins, and I hate it. The, the winds are strong. I mean, I, I could get a thousand people behind me with oars, and I, I feel like I never beat it. It seems like it's a, an impossibility. But yet, Jesus has sent me to battle that sin. Right? He's called me with the power of the gospel, with the hope of eternal life, with the knowledge and the power of the Holy Spirit in me. And he sent me out into the depth of my soul and said, battle that sin. I've showed it to you. I've given you what you need. Battle it. Go to battle. What are, what are the scary places that Jesus has sent you? I mean, is it, have you been struggling with maybe like your, your identity of who you really are? Maybe it's, am I really a believer? Am I not a believer? Have I been saved? Have I not been saved? Is it just like a back and forth? One day you believe you're secure in your salvation. The next day you believe you're going to hell in a handbasket. 
Like, where, where is it self-worth? Do you look at yourself in your mirror and you say, I've heard the gospel and it's kind of believable, but there's no way anybody would give their life for me. I'm not worth that. Maybe it's body image. You look in that mirror and you think, I'll never, I'll never be beautiful. I'll never be valuable. I'll always have this struggle. And then that leads to a, a darker storm, a heavier wind, depression and hopelessness that weighs you down. Maybe you're battling depression. For guys and for girls, maybe it's lust and pornography. You battle forever and you, and you, and you keep fighting or you're, you're like, I never want to get into that storm, but for some reason everything around you keeps pushing you towards it. Maybe it's uh, anger or jealousy. You find yourself just full of rage. You know, you learned it from your father, and he learned it from his father, and his father's father, and you learned it from your mom, and, and every time a situation comes up where there's an opportunity to get angry, that's the first thing you do. And then you go into your prayer closet, and you're like, I did it again. I knew I shouldn't have gotten angry about that. I knew I shouldn't have said those things. I knew I should have responded with love and grace and mercy, but I'm so angry. Maybe it's envy. Maybe it's pride. Someone constantly points out something and you just, you can't hear it. Pride. I'm better than that. You don't, you don't know me. They're trying to bring you into a place of humility so you can be more like Christ. And no, I'm not having any of that. That's too dark of a storm. It's too scary of a place. And maybe it's just letting the gospel win in your relationships. Maybe it's, that it's really difficult for you to forgive someone who keeps hurting you. That 70 times 70 thing, that's, that's a cute concept, but you don't know how bad I've been hurt. What are the dark and stormy seas that God has sent you into in your own soul to face? Where are the places in this world that just frighten you? And you think, if i got to go there, he better be with me because there's no way I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be able to minister the gospel in those dark and scary seas. The reality is, if you're going to be a disciple, one of the costs you're going to have to pay is you're going to have to get in the boat and go where he leads you. And he's going to lead you to dark and scary places. I want to encourage us to do something today for the, and for the re- every day. You know, it's, it's pray the Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Pray that Psalm out loud. When you get by yourself, when you're riding in your car, when you're hanging out at home, if you're <laughs> right before you take a nap. I don't, I don't know when the scenario is going to be, but earnestly pray this prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. And know my thoughts. And see if there's any grievous way in me. And then lead me to a way that's everlasting. It's it's in that that you face these storms. You ask God to lead you to those storms. And then you trust that he will lead you through them. Jesus doesn't lead us where his hand can't keep us. You ever heard that before? Jesus doesn't lead us where his hand can't keep us. He's not going to lead you to deal with a sin that he's not going to give you the power to overcome. He's not going to lead you into a place in this world where he's not with you and he, doesn't, he hasn't called you to missions, right? If he leads you, you can go and you can know that he's with you. Verse 28. Peter replied to him, Lord, if it is really you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. Lord, if it's really you, if you're really telling, if you're really out here and you really sent us to do this, prove it. Tell me to come to you. All right? Get out of the boat. 
And he started to walk towards Jesus. When you follow Jesus, he's going to call you out of your boat. He's going to call you out of your boat. Peter was a fisherman, right? That's how he started off. He's a fisherman by trade. And the first century boats were 24 feet long about. These are the ones they found at the bottom of the Sea of Galilee. They believe it's the first century fishing boat. It's very simple. There is no cabin to hide in when the waves are battering. There's no upper deck and lower deck. It's like a big, huge canoe. About eight feet wide and 24 feet long with a mast in the middle and a sail. That's what you got to go into the wind with and to get battered around, right? But Peter knew the boat. He knew what the boat could do. He knew what the boat couldn't do. He knew where to stand and how to put his feet out when the waves got a little rough. He knew where to, how to duck behind the stern when the wind was blowing so that he could, he could battle and stay, in, stay out of the water. He knew the boat. It was his safety net. He knew the boat. What's your safety net that you go into the battle with, that you go into these spiritual, these dark places? What's your safety net? Now, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not accusing anyone of anything. I'm just painting a picture, okay? So if you feel condemned, this is the Holy Spirit, not me. So don't be, you know, like, we're going to describe some potential safety nets, okay? Maybe it's... Um, Maybe your metaphorical boat that Jesus is trying to call you out of when you get into these dark spaces, and maybe it's your financial security. It's your comfort and idea that I am in control. I can, I can buy my way out of things. I can provide comfort in the midst of storms, and I, I, can, I can solve my own problems because I have the financial security to do it. I, um, or maybe it's, your, maybe it's your checkbook, or not just the idea of financial security, but like your budget. I can't go there, God. It's not in the budget. Right? It's, it's your safety net. You're like, God, you can call me into those things, but I'm not getting out of the water. It's not in the budget. Right? I mean, I, I worked with a pastor in a college town where we were, we were ripe. We were in a great location to minister to college students. And I'm like, what are we doing to minister to college students? And he said, well, we're, we're not going to minister to college students. I said, why not? He said, because they don't contribute any tithe. And I was like, are you serious? He said, they don't tithe? It's like, yeah, they're here for four years, and they, they drain you of resources. They don't put anything in. They don't tithe. So why would you minister to college students? And I was like, you're joking, right? He, he, he didn't want to get out of the boat and do something crazy in the, in the spiritual battles for college students' lives because it wasn't in the budget, right? They weren't going to contribute to the budget. The financial security aspect was his safety net, and he missed the opportunity to get out of the boat and do something crazy. To walk on the water and, and impact lives of students that were going to go all around the world and go crazy. Because he had an idea of what they could give him, not what he could give them. And that was his, that was his boat. Broke my heart. Is your boat religious practices? Is it church traditions? Is it things you've always known that your parents taught you or whatever, but they're not biblical doctrine they're just traditions. Do you understand the difference? There's certain things in the scripture we don't compromise. They're, they're the truth. We live by them. There are other things that are traditions that we learn going to church and being Christians that can, keep, that can be our safety net. So, well, there's other churches over there that will minister to that group. It's not my responsibility. There are other people that will go to that country. There are other So I'll, I'll write my check and give to my North American and my international missions offerings, but I can't go... Like, it's a tradition that we just, we give, we don't go. Maybe it's, um, I, don't, I don't know how to, I don't know how to get into a relationship with that group of people. 
I don't, I don't know what to, to say or do. Or what if, if we invite the homeless people into the room, what if they mess up the carpet? I know a pastor that refused to have homeless people come into his church because they were concerned they would dirty the carpet. Religious traditions. We have to keep this area pristine. We can't get out of the boat and get our feet wet and muddy. We've got we to stay clean. What's, what's your metaphorical boat? What is, the, what is the thing that you is your safety net when God tries to call you to do something crazy? Is it, is it the idea that I don't have to deal with that sin right now because God will forgive me anyway? Is that your safety net? You don't want to fight those internal spiritual battles because I, he'll forgive me anyway. I know I'm going to fail. He knows I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail. Fail for it. What, what, a, what an abuse of grace. What an abuse of the cross and the empty grave to not go to battle, to beat sin out of worship for the Father. Yet it's a safety net. It's a boat that we know, that we climb into. And when he calls us into something difficult, we say, nah, nah, it's cool. I'll stay here. What would make somebody do such a thing? Why would somebody get out of a perfectly safe boat in the middle of a storm and walk to a ghostly figure that, they, that claims to be Jesus? They've got to be a little crazy, right? I mean, like, especially when you know the boat. And you know what's under the water. More water. Big waves, more water. You know, 70 feet down, there's a ground. You make it down there, it's a bad day, right? I mean, like, you, why would you get out of the boat and even try to step on rough water? Why did Peter do it? Did Peter want to do a miracle? Was he like, if that's Jesus, I'm performing a miracle right now. What was his motivation? I'll offer you this. I think, Jesus, I think Peter just wanted to be with Jesus. He loved him. And Jesus was in the water, and that's where he wanted to be. Jesus, if it's you, call me out. Come on. That's you. I'm going to you. I want to be with you where you are. I want to be in those neighborhoods. I want to be in those relationships. I want to face this sin because that's where you're leading me, and I want to be where you are. I love you. Not saying that if you don't get out of the boat, you don't love Jesus. I'm just saying, like, why would you be crazy enough to take the risk to step out into the waves and the storm where he's led you? It's because you love him and you just want to be with him. When's the last time you asked Jesus to command you to come? When's the last time you said, Jesus, I think you've led me there. Make it obvious. Command me to come, to step out of my boat. Face this sin. Go to those people. Go to that neighborhood. Enter that relationship. Command me to move and I'll do it. When's the last time you asked Jesus to command you to move? So maybe you're willing to pay the price. Maybe you've, you've measured this out and you're like, yeah, Jesus is going to send me into storms. He's going to send me into dark and scary places. I'm ready to go. Let's do this, right? I'm good. And <clears throat> you realize, okay, I'm going to have to deal with my own sin. I'm going to have to deal with my own soul. And you just want to be with Jesus and everything's good and you're ready to get out of your boat. Great. But then you've got to realize when you get out of the boat, there are people that want to put you back in the boat. There are forces at work that want to put you back in the boat. And then, once you're in the boat, they're going to want you to turn tail and go back to the shore. Right? Verse 30. But when he saw the effects of the wind, when he saw the wind, he was frightened. 
And he began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me! And immediately Jesus extended his hand and caught him, and saying, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Pulled him up out of the water, and suddenly he's standing on the top of the water again. I don't think Jesus was like, oh, yeah, you're getting heavy, buddy. I mean, like, he pulled him up out of the water. You know, it's like, why'd you doubt? He saw the effects of the wind, and he got what? Scared. And then he stopped believing in Jesus, and he sank. And then Jesus saved him. When you follow Jesus, doubt and fear will tempt you to get back in the boat. They want to turn you around from doing something crazy for the kingdom of God. Listen, the spiritual forces that oppose us, they're powerful. They're effective. They hurt, right? I mean, think, think, of, think about it. You're in your internal struggle with sin, and you're like, you're tempted, and you're like, no, I'm going to battle it today. I'm going to fight this sin. And, and you pray, and you change your location, or you do your something different. You try to switch the habit, and then all of a sudden, the temptation is like a pressure on you to just, you know, do what you, just do what's comfortable. Do what you've always wanted to do. Get angry. Lust. Be envious. Go gossip about that person. You, you just, you want it. And that pressure is, is strong. And why do you give in? Because you don't love Jesus? No, because the pressure to sin is strong. The effects of the spiritual forces, the wind, it has effect, right? I mean, you get out of the boat, you're going to take a wave to the face. Right? I mean, if you're, if, you're, if you're brave enough to go into a dark and scary storm and then climb out of the boat into the water, you're going to take a wave to the face. Because your flesh, this world, our spiritual enemy, Satan, right? All these things, our internal sin, they don't want you to do things for the kingdom of God. They don't want you to live in the new identity. They are trying to force you to die. They want you to drown. And, if you, and they don't have to drown you. They just have to scare you enough to think you're going to drown. So that you'll climb back in your boat, and you'll turn tail, and you'll not listen to where Jesus is leading. The only thing they have to battle us with is fear and doubt. That's all they got, right? Because, I mean, Satan can't bite us. Jesus kicked his teeth out, right? He's got nothing to grip us with. Jesus beat him already. So all he's got, all, of our, all our flesh has is fear and doubt. Peter got out of the boat. He saw the wind and he got scared. And then he looked at what was happening and he, and he started to doubt the power of God, and he sank. Fear and doubt, that's all he got. Jesus' response, be courageous, have faith. Right? When the, when the disciples were scared, what do he say? Take courage. Courage is the, is the ability to go into a seemingly losing situation and fight. Right? That's what courage is. Whether it's a spiritual situation, whether it's a physical situation, whether it's a, a literal battle or spiritual battle, it's to say, okay, I look like I'm going to lose, but I'm going in with my hands up because I'm going at it. You know, like that's courage to go at it. Take courage and have faith. Have faith in what? This is where the last point is. Remember who you're following. Remember who it is that's leading you. Remember who it is that called you out of the boat. That's who you have faith in. Look at verse 32. When you follow Jesus, don't ever forget who you're following. Right here. When he <clears throat> and when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. So 
Jesus reaches down, pulls Peter out of the water, says, all right, buddy, hang on, stand right here. we got to walk back to the boat. And what was happening all around him? The wind was still blowing. The waves were still crashing against the boat. You know, Judas was probably still peeing in his pants. You know, like something, I mean, it was still happening out there. He was like, oh, we're, we're going to die. And Jesus takes Peter, and they got, we got to go get back in the boat. So they walk back to the boat together, and they climb up into the boat off this storming, waging sea, and they get in, and then the wind stops. Right? Jesus was with them even in the midst of the still the suffering. Even after he lost, even after he got scared and had doubt, there was still enough faith when he knew he was in the presence of Jesus to walk on the water. Right? He, he got his, he's got his focus back. I'm with Jesus. Jesus got my hand. And they walked back to the boat. They got in the boat, and the, and the wave ceased. Verse 33. Then those in the boat worshipped him with all inspired reverence, is what the Amplified Bible says. With all inspired reverence, right? They worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. And when they had crossed over the sea, they went ashore. And when the men in that place recognized him, they sent word throughout the surrounding districts and brought to him all who were sick. And they begged him to just merely touch the fringe of his robe. And all who touched it were perfectly restored. Jesus was the Son of God, the Son of Man. He had already been in a boat with them one time and calmed the storms. Remember that? They were all freaking out and he was in the boat. And he's like, hold on, honey, yeah, I'm coming. Right? They had already seen his power over nature. He had already been there. <clears throat> and people had already learned about his authority over sickness and sin and death. He had already raised people to life. He had already healed the woman with the bleeding condition. Right? He had already saved the centurion's um, servant. They knew about him. So as soon as he ends up on the shore, they call everybody and say, the guy that heals and has authority over all things is here. Come and just touch his garment and you'll be healed. This isn't a fairy tale figure. It's not a Prince Charming. It's not a political hero. This is not somebody that is going to fail us that we're following. We're following the Son of God. God in the flesh. God who has through the text of Matthew exhibited, he has authority over everything, even the darkest and scariest internal and external places that he'll send you. He has authority over that. So what is there to fear when a wave smacks you in the face? What is there to fear when you feel like you're sinking a little bit? You're following Jesus. The star-breathing God who spoke all things into existence, who calmed raging storms with a whisper, who filled the sick, who healed the sick from a distance and brought the dead back to life. We're talking about following God into dark and scary places. And ultimately, we can follow Him into any storm, internal or external, because He's already been there for us. He's already faced the darkest and most powerful hurricane of God's wrath we can possibly imagine when he took the cross for us, when he beat the grave. He went into the darkest storm, the strongest headwinds, the biggest waves, when God poured out his wrath for sin on him. And then he said, all right, he soaked it all up for us, and he died our death, and then he conquered death, kicked Satan in the teeth, took them all out so he has no bite. And now he's leading us into... <laughs> Minor little storms, scary little places to us. But if we remember who's leading us and who's already been there, 
What's there to fear? What's there to doubt? What's there to fear? What's there to doubt? There is no storm that we can't overcome. That's why the only weapon that the enemy has is fear and doubt. Because we're already conquerors. We're already victors. We're victors in Jesus. So the only thing that can help us, or that will keep us from following him into the depths of the world, to the end of the earth, is fear and doubt. That's all they got. Just like the men in the Coast Guard who we talked about earlier, who set out on this mission to, to share, I mean, to save lives, we are called on mission to go into storms, change our lives for the glory of God, right? Overtake sin, and to go into the depths and the dark places of this world with the good news of the gospel to save lives, right? We're on a rescue mission. And we've got to be willing to abandon everything in this world and follow Jesus wherever he leads us. Because we love him and he loves us. And we've got to remember that our faith is not in ourselves. Just closing it up, but I've got to say this. I, I, I missed this. I've got to say this. When Peter walked on the water, what kept him on the water? Why did he not sink? Okay, he was looking at Jesus. His faith. But his faith in what? His faith in the power of Jesus that kept him above the water, right? Peter never got out of the boat and walked on his own, right? He, he, he'd never done that before. It wasn't in him. It was in Christ. Jesus kept him above the water. It was the power of Jesus. Because he put his faith in Jesus, the power of Jesus was able to be experienced in his life. When we take our faith and we put it in ourselves, when we get scared and we, get, and we start to doubt, where do we turn? Inward, to ourselves. And we look at our own power and our own ability and our own ability to overcome things and to protect ourselves and to get out, of, get out of the waves. But if we look at Jesus and we put our faith in him and his power, we get to experience the power that overcomes every sea, overcomes every death, overcomes every sin, and can lead us through the darkest seas. We've got to remember who we're following. We've got to put our faith not in ourselves, but in the faith of the power of Jesus Christ. And then we experience his power in our lives. So whether he sends us into our personal storms or cultural storms, there's nothing to fear or to doubt. There's no reason to get back in our proverbial boats. And we must never forget who we're following. He's already been there. Let's pray.